Hello and welcome to the West London Sport QPR podcast. I'm Dan Bennett. I'm joined as ever by West London Sports Ian McCullough and former QPR striker Kevin Gallen. I've got to say that you two are uh, noticeably more jolly than uh, than the last time we did one of these. But uh, obviously back-to-back wins for QPR, beating Watford 3-2 on Saturday, followed by a 3-1 win over Hull last night. Uh, we're recording this on, on Wednesday, obviously. Ian, you had the pleasure of covering both games for West London Sport. What were your main takeaways? I suppose one of the big things has got to be the form of Ilias Chair and Chris Willock and the fact that when they're both fit and available and when they're both on it, I mean, QPR really are a match for anyone in the championship, aren't they? Yeah, certainly going forward. Um, and we all know what Willock brings to the team. He's a, he's a class player, but I think with, with Chair, he's kind of, he's taking his game to a level that I haven't seen before in the last sort of two, well, he's good against the Rotherham game as well, but the last two matches, he's been very impressive. Just his work rate and, you know, he, he seems to, Gained a bit of speed as well. He's running at players and causing problems and just, you know, he's everywhere. He was everywhere. In the Watford game, he was fantastic. He just ran himself into the ground. And, you know, last night he was just making things happen and always involved. And, you know, a fantastic goal he scored last night as well. Uh, you know, top corner on the run, really, really high-class finish. And, um, yeah, he's always had ability, but I think he's always made kind of seasonal improvements as since he's been at QPR and um, it's too early to say whether or not he's, you know, how good he's, he's going to be this season. But certainly at the moment, he's across the last two games, he really has been uh, outstanding. Mm. Yeah, he's been taking like a decent leap every year, not like a massive jump like Chris Willock, for example, but every year he sort of built one in. Like I say, he kind of struggled, didn't he, in the first, well, not struggled, but he, he wasn't at his best in the first sort of two, three games and suddenly he just really seems to have, um, to have found his form. I mean, Kev, just the quality of the goals in in the two games that we've seen, obviously from Chris Willock and Elias Chair, obviously got a bit fortunate with his one against Watford, but the goal last night was exceptional. It just makes so much difference, doesn't it, when you've got two players like that in the team that can create a goal out of nothing and find the top corner from 20, 25 yards or whatever, especially when, you know, we'll come on to it a bit more, but Dykes, despite his overall performance, still struggling in front of goal when you've got two players that can do that, just lifts the pressure, doesn't it? Yeah, I think Ilya, I think Ilya's chair looks fitter than he did last season. I think. Um, well, they said that in pre-season, didn't they? And then I it was like he sort of struggled two games, and you're like, is he? I didn't think he was overweight, but I think he's got leaner. He's um, he's shed a few pounds, and and Ian's right. He's um, his work rate and his um, running ability in the last couple of games has been very impressive, and he has he looks to me a lot fitter. And then, the, like. Going back to when I played, the fitter you are and the more runs you can make, the better player you become because um, you'll be getting into those positions to score those goals a lot more often if you were unfit, which I know it makes uh, it's a pretty obvious thing. But yeah, his, his goal last night um, was tremendous. And once you sort of score a goal like that and to get to get the team 1-0 up, but also it's sort of a goal out of the... It's not really a, a half chance. It's, it, it ain't like a you know a sitter. Well, you got to score. This is like a sort of a goal out of the blue, and it's, it's a great goal. Willock's ones as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So the Willock's goal um, was it against Middlesbrough? The, yeah, the Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah. So when you're scoring goals like that out of sort of the blue and out of nothing, it's, it's a great help to the team. And I'd like to know um, what the stat is, but this is a little bit of homework for you, Dan. Is like. What is the the stats on uh, whoever scores the first goal in the championship? Oh, who goes on to win? 
goes on to win or not to lose the game. And I yeah, think I don't know what like, the latest figure is, but like I've seen it before at certain times, and it's yeah, as you'd expect, really, it's, it's huge. It's very high massive. And I think Ian mentioned it a couple of weeks ago about you know when um, the other team scores first, they've got that you know they've got something to hang on to, but. If, you know, and that's the same with QPR, especially you know against Watford. And we're talking about the Watford game was was an excellent performance, considering Watford's uh, quality on the pitch. And uh, obviously they're at home, but you know QPR put up a really good performance, and it's as good as a away day. I've, and I was lucky to be there. It was as good as a away day I've been with at QPR for a long time. So I really enjoyed that. I bought my son. We were buzzing. I was in the in their way end and we had a right good laugh and really a thoroughly enjoyable game. But then, you know, you, you have that high of beating Watford and then you've got to back it up and um, and uh, beat Hull to go and beat Hull on, on the Tuesday. And we did that. And we did that, I think, quite comfortably. Um, you know, could have been more, should have been more. But... What can you say six points out of six, and then you're heading into Saturday's game and full of confidence. And you know, you know, the players will be absolutely buzzing, uh, the supporters are buzzing, and there's a, there's a good feel good factor at the moment. Because mm, obviously, like when QPR started the season away at Blackburn, it was very much like a game of few chances, and they didn't really manage to create anything going forward. But do you feel like, especially the last, I mean, the Middlesbrough game as well, but the last couple of games, Kev was sort of seeing more of what. Beal's probably been working on the training ground and what he wants the team to do, especially with the fullbacks as well going forward. It seems like, I said to you before we come on, very high risk, high reward, isn't it, with the way they're well, playing at the moment? Yeah. So, obviously, the big plus is you've got your best players are fit and yeah. the best players at the moment is Willock and, and Chair. And they're sort of, you know, they're like playing a little sort of passing game on their own on that sort of left inside left uh, uh side of the pitch where they're getting a lot of joy out of it, playing um, very well together, linking up extremely well. But I've got to, be, got to say in the last two games, and especially last night, very impressed with um, Laird on the right-hand side. I mean, he's he's absolutely rapid and he can get forward. And when we have the ball, he's like a right winger and he's got a, you know, he's got a right winger's goal last night where a cross comes in from the left and he's attacking the... <laughs> The ball uh, in the middle of the goal, like I said, yeah, like, like in your position, any Kev, like we used yeah. to pick up like that. Delighted with a finish like that. So <laughs> he's he's really impressed me. That's been good. And Kenneth Powell, I think that was his best game last season. He got got forward well. And like we did sp- spoke before we come on there about the high risk uh, and reward situate um, style of play. Like QPR, the last two games, this, the the back four is playing really high up, really high up, and. Uh, there's going to, if they carry on with that, it's going to be a lot of um, shouting from the crowd at the, at the lines when they get the flag up, which there was in the first half. And it's very hard to go back on it. I haven't seen it if those decisions were onside or offside. But when you play such a high line, there's going to be situations where they're going to, the opposition team are going to notice it and they're going to put the ball in behind. And if the striker times is run, well, if uh, then he could be in. And if he doesn't, he's going to be offside. But we scored two goals by playing high line, midfield pressed up, nicked the ball off their back four in the last third and went on to score two really good goals. So, you know, like you said, they're high risk um, and high reward. So mm. I think it's not a bad thing, but then you have to have your goalkeeper really high, you know, like a, was it sweeper keeper, like Neuer for Germany. And Sonny Dieng's capable of doing that. And there was some decent pace in the back as well. But yeah, I think we've... 
a really good, impressive two games. Um, Watford and the whole game, yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, because if you look at the top level, Liverpool do it, don't they? One of Mick Beals, obviously, former clubs, Liverpool do that to great you know, reward usually, but obviously they've been quite a little bit more this season, but I suppose the difference with them is they got Virgil van Dijk sort of sprinting back and no offence to Jimmy Dunn and Rob Dickey, but you know, they're not slow, but they're not the quickest, are they? So Kev, do you feel like that is going to lead to chances well, going against the team? And But is it worth it? You know, this is the might, debate. It was, do you know what? It was, it was a sort of, I would say it was quite a risky one against Watford because they got a lot of pace in there. Yeah, especially with Saar and Pedro. So and, I think maybe like, Tactically, um, if you're playing against a team that's really quick, you might have to drop off and be a little bit deeper. So uh, Swansea will be playing sort of, you know, what how they play, very pass, slow, ponderous. So I'd say they'd be playing a high, high line and trying to press Swansea in the last third like they did last night against Hull and try and nick that ball high up the pitch. And then uh, with the quality we got, well, with the quality with Chair and Willock and, and the form they're in, you know, They've got like they get half a yard or a yard from 20, 25 yards out. You're expecting them to to at least hit the target or maybe score. That's how uh, good the, the goals were last night. Mm. Kev, obviously, I mentioned a minute ago Lyndon Dykes. I mean, Ian, you obviously have spoken about this as well, but his overall performance seems to be decent. Like he's doing a lot of off the ball work, the unselfish work that's allowing Ilias Chair and Chris Willock to, you know, thrive and do really well. But we we got to mention the chance, haven't we? He just, uh, it's what we spoke about the last week as well. We're probably going to repeat ourselves a bit, but he's got time yeah. to think about it and he just doesn't execute. Because if he just smashes that, it goes in, doesn't it? Really, yeah, let's be he, honest. Let's be fair. I can't really, I know he, he played, I think the last two games he's, he's done well. He's, he's, you know, he's battled well. You know, it's a tough gig when you're like a big number nine and you're, you're trying to occupy two centre-halves and then, you know, you're sort of, you're there to win headers, hold the ball up and then try and get Willock and Illis Chair into the game. And, I mean, let's be fair, there's no no getting a way around of it. He, he's got to score there. There's, you know what I mean? He's got to score. And, he, and if he scores there, then he's off and running again. And I do think he's a confidence player. We've spoke about this in the last few weeks. He's a confidence player. Once he scores, he's, he, he, he could go off and running on the, on a run. If he scores there last night, goes four. I think QPR could win five or six there last night. <sighs> Look, he's got scored. There's no getting away around it. Um, he just needs, I think I put it on Twitter last night, he needs one just to come off his backside without him thinking. <laughs> really, he needs just the ball just to drop to him one touch and hit it hard. I keep saying hard and low. And then he, he needs he, one where he doesn't have to think about it. I think he like did last night. <laughs> yeah, <no worries. laughs> Actually, it was soft and low wide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just he, he yeah, he got been... he got half of it right. I your advice, Kev. I felt from he probably thinking the whole yeah. and they were the whole grounds just looking at you and you like you can you can feel that when I played you miss a chance or you miss a penalty or you do something bad you just know everyone's looking and commenting on you and it's a tough and you got to, it's tough to bounce back from that. It is it really, be a horrible feeling. I, I thought the crowd were really good with him last night. Yeah. They really got behind him and, um, you know, which is, yeah, I guess it helps. I mean, it, you, you know, that the crowd are behind him, the manager's backing him. You know, he's quite, he's a popular lad around the dressing room. The players like him. I mean, I'm sure when he does score, the whole team will be celebrating with him. But it was just sort of like you could see after they missed that the whole team got head in hands. And mm. 
you know, how do you miss that? How, but yeah, he, but it didn't cost them the game, and the role he's playing in the team is effective in terms of what it's helping the team do collectively. I thought his link-up play was have been better the last two games. He's he's kind of nicking passes. He's he's got in. He's, he's you know little five six yard passes have been effective. He's he's doing a good job in that respect. But he's got to score that. There's no two ways around it. You can't. It's like he's almost like a golfer that's got the yips at the minute in front of goal. He just yeah. You know, he keepers on the floor. All we got to do is just roll it in, and it's always, it's easier to score. It was easier yeah. to score than miss that chance and. Mm. It just, um, yeah, it's one of the worst misses I have ever seen. It really is. Yeah, but... for sure. It's, it's up there with that Jordan Hugo one from a couple of years ago, isn't it? Where he scarred it from like two yards out. It's... No, I think that was worse. The one last night. I think the dice one was. I, I mean, yeah. I said it's up there, but you reckon that was worse? Yeah. yeah. He was on the floor. You're in the six yard box. All you got to do is just tap it in. Mm. Um, you know, and fair play to him he didn't you know after that he's chasing back 60 70 yards to win a tackle and that's why the crowd are behind him because you know they see someone that's trying really hard and you know if you're trying your best and getting stuck in the, the crowd will be with you but you know you can't miss chances like that he's got to, you know he's, he's got to find a way really because um patience will run thin eventually if he keeps missing chances like that there's only well, the, the good thing about it is we're three nil up yeah yeah if it's nil, if it's nil nil with two minutes to go, then there would be a bit. There would be a different feeling. Yeah, with the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ian, I was going to say, like, do you think, like, given because we saw obviously Warburton when Dykes was struggling a couple of seasons ago, he stuck with him, didn't he, when he was on that goal drop because of obviously the work he does off the ball and what he does for the team. Do you feel like obviously Beal keeps picking him? Do you feel like he is justifying his? position because of that still do you feel like it's worth keeping in the team just for that but obviously like you say it, it becomes a point where if you're missing so many chances and like Kev said they are going to be more costly in some games aren't they luckily last night it wasn't but do you think he's kind of worth keeping him in for that I think he's a better player all-round player than he was two years ago and Warburton was sticking with him I think he's mm. you know he's not doing that silly step over thing where he goes to the left he's actually you know when he's getting the ball he's effectively using the ball linking up play um i mean he's not like teddy Sheridan and mark hughes type holding the ball up and shielding it you know in that manner but he's certainly not doing disgraced themselves in that side of the game um so yeah i think they will stick with him just purely because i have don't really have anyone else that can sort of lead the line like that and sort of occupy two big center backs because it's basically it seems to be armstrong or dykes doesn't it as the options but bond's nowhere to be seen you got Roberts yeah maybe it was interesting Bill talking about uh, Armstrong the other week that he was a winger. I didn't know that. He was a winger that was moved central. So it's that sort of, you know, he comes on and makes those runs down the line and that pace and that. So he's not a natural striker, which probably explains why he's not the most polished in front of goal. Um, I don't think, um, Ian, sorry to interrupt you, but regarding Armstrong, I, I think I didn't know that. And that sort of says a lot to me because I watched him when he came on against uh, Watford on saturday and i just i was just watching mick bill the whole time was just telling him where to go do you know what i mean he was just the whole 15 minutes he was on he was like you go here you go there he sort of doesn't know the game yet obviously mm. and and if you're saying he was a winger then that sort of says a lot you know what i mean he doesn't know where he's running and that's why he always ends up sort of down in that channel chasing the ball and holding it up and 
getting fouls and stuff. But yeah, he's very raw. I've, I've, I've really watched him close the last two games and he, he goes back to what we're saying. There's no, um, there's, there's Lyndon Dykes who's not having a great time and and then Macaulay Bond seems to be on the on the outside. So it's just the other centre forward is um, real sort of centre forward is, is Sinclair Armstrong and goes back to us, what we were talking about. Does he does he need a season on loan somewhere? And I think for his long term benefit, yeah, I really do. After I've seen him the last, watched him closely the last two games. Mm. Well, there we've heard our thoughts on the game. Now just um, just listen to what Mick Beard had to say on the game. Yeah, I thought I thought the start it was it was a gamble really to to throw the same eleven out there, but it's it's something that I've been waiting to do. I think every game I've had to make three or four changes, so it was a gamble because of the amount of energy we put into the weekend and, and the lack of time to recover. Really, the, obviously the championship's relentless, but uh, they gave me everything that I wanted first half. That's more like what I want from us, especially here playing on the front foot. Um, it's noted that the the first and the third goal came off of Stefan regaining the ball and counter-pressing, which when you commit a lot of people forward, you have to do. So I'm delighted with them. And I thought the second goal was an outstanding goal, full-back to full-back. Kenneth's not playing. He's not having a difficult time at the moment, Kenneth. All of a sudden, Ian, since you said that, he's been absolutely outstanding. So uh, thanks for that. You gave him a little pep talk, maybe. But no, it, it all jokes aside that one full-back crossing for the other, it's fantastic play. And... After that, I thought we were a little bit unsure at times, and I thought Hull made a real good push at the game. You can see Shotter's going to live dangerously. That's why his team score a lot of goals, and fair credit to them because their energy was big. We made some changes, maybe with a view to the weekend, obviously, and uh, I thought we got tired after that. But the first 30 minutes, I thought we were excellent. I thought some of the football we played, and at the start of the second half, if we take one of the two big chances we've got, probably the game ends in a different way, you know, but fair play to Hull, they pushed and pushed second half. Your two full-backs were outstanding tonight, is that, that sort of what, I guess, you know, your reputation of your style of the team, full-backs being really important to how you want to play, I mean, is that sort of yeah. getting well, to where you want to be? Yeah, I asked Ilias and Chris to play a little bit wider today, obviously, uh, we listened to each other, then our managers, so obviously I heard Shotter saying we were quite narrow as a team in, in terms of the two boys, so I asked them just to play a little bit wider. I thought they were fantastic, the pair of them again. But uh, so then partnerships on the side between your full-backs and your wide players or your wide tens is really important. Uh, I thought Lyndon worked tire tirelessly again tonight. Won all his flick-ons, held the ball up. He's missed a big chance where he's overthinking it, but his general play for the team was excellent. He had a slight worry coming into this game physically, and he managed to uh, to put in a performance like that in terms of his work ethic for the team. So. I'm pleased. I thought Sam Fields had a strong game. Stefan goes and nicks the ball twice for two goals. It was a lot of good performances. I'm disappointed not to keep a clean sheet because Senny's not really had a save to make and the linesman's got it wrong. I've just watched it back. He, he has got it wrong. and So maybe that's the call for VAR. Why do we have it in the Premier League but not have it in the Championship? Because I think maybe we'd have conceded three less goals this weekend, Ian, if I'm honest. You know, from the weekend and tonight, if we've got VAR, we'd have let in. And they're only human, so he, he's got that one wrong. It's not cost us this evening, but on another day, it could do. Any, anyone like to come in before Saturday? Yeah, but whoever comes in, you know, you think of the players we've got missing this evening, and, that, you know, that's the first time we picked the same 11. Whoever comes in needs to get in that team, so... Uh, I've said that all along. We need to bring starters in if they're going to come in. They have to make us stronger. 
there's one or two players we're talking to. It never moves as fast as you want, um, but I'm hopeful that we'll have at least one new face, maybe two by, uh, what is it, 11 o'clock Thursday? Low knees or signings? Have to wait and see. Um, Ian, he sort of mentioned it there, Kenneth Powell, someone who, you know, I think you touched on it with him and he had a little bit of a joke with you there, but sort of had a little bit of a mixed start to his QPR career, but really seems to have found his feet in the last couple of games and is, is really impressive because we heard a lot about his delivery, didn't we, and how good that was. And we saw it obviously last night from that fullback to fullback link up that led to Ethan Laird's goal. Yeah, well, football's confidence, isn't it? And he, it was a very indifferent start. Um, I mean, his first few games, he wasn't really getting forward. He just seemed to be sort of not crossing a halfway line and um, looked sort of playing within himself almost. And you weren't too sure what you got here. You kind of, uh, I was expecting from him what Ethan Lear was doing from the word go, if that makes sense. But he's sort of coming out of his shell a little bit. I think setting up that that winner at Watford probably did enormous things for his confidence. He, he then put in a fantastic tackle, ball and all tackle, ball and man tackle on Saar later in the game, which, you know, you know, he kept Saar pretty quiet, really. I mean, Saar, you know, he's got talent. He, he's not a player that I, I wouldn't be spending money on someone like Saar. I think he kind of flatters to deceive a little bit, but he's still at this level a threat. Um, but he kept him in check largely and he carried on with that form from last night. And, you know, players come over from another country, new city, new surroundings, his wife's pregnant, still in Holland, he's finding somewhere to live. All these things you kind of, yes, yeah, fans and media, we don't really pay attention to that. The kind of the human side of it is someone coming in, he's quite a quiet lad, bowl accounts, doesn't sort of, you know, keeps himself to himself. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to expect someone just to hit the ground running when they're coming in and, you know, different league, different different style of football, new city and all that. And, you know, he deserved, he, he had to give him a little bit of time just to find his feet, but he, he seems to have done that certainly in the last two games. And I'll have a word as well about Andre Dazelle, who... Oh, you, obviously you took my next question. That's what I was going to Sorry, say, because obviously you've um, been, uh, been a bit critical of him in the past, but he's uh, sort of really, you know... And I think deservedly as well, he deserved to be criticised last year because he wasn't impacting games. He was just peripheral, but... The, the games I've seen him this season when he has played, he's done really well. I thought he played well in the game against Charlton. But I thought last night he's actually getting around the park and he's, you know, pressing and using the ball well, making intelligent passes and and grew stronger as the game went on. He wasn't doing that last year. So that's another kind of another tick in the box for his team's improvement. But if they're going to play this high line, as Kevin's talking about, it's very demanding on your midfield. Yeah, um, but Ian, if you do play that high line then the gaps between the midfield and the centre and the, and the defence is very short. And that will suit Andre Dezel and yeah. Johansson because they haven't really got that athleticism. Yeah. So the pitches get smaller. And yeah. also, <laughs> I think we've got to take credit again, like we did <laughs> last year, of when we mentioned playing field as the holding midfield player. And uh, which he has done in the last two games. And, and now you've seen field... Zell and Johansson have much better games. Hmm. But um, but as I was going to say, I can see why he wants to get more midfielders in because if you are going to play that high line you, and fullbacks are bomb on like that, you, your midfielder's got to work hard. You know, and, it's and like Taylor Richards and Luke Amos are like ideally suited to doing that, aren't they? And they are, they're both and injured, you, so they're both injured and they're coming back soon. But you you kind of need another one in there, just some legs, just to kind of because someone like Johansson. 
did very well last night, but Kane Johansson played three games in a week in that sort of, you know. Well, he's already come, like, he seems to come off sort of 60, 70 minutes, doesn't he? He's got, yeah. gets like a knock and then it's like better to take him off. He doesn't seem to be, to be able to do quite yeah. as many games as probably you'd like him to do. Yeah. And I was wondering as well, because I mean, it's all about going to, a, you know, a back three with wing backs. And I do wonder if that would be kind of, wouldn't work so well with that midfield they've got. Cause... You've been looking at my notes. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> nah, go no, for it. Go just, for it. This is what I was going to about it last night. You sort of go in a two-man midfield. I don't think Dizel worked last year. I think the game bypassed him a little bit. Whereas in a three, he looks a lot more kind of comfortable. And whether or not going to a back three would probably have a, you know, wouldn't have a good effect on the team going forward. I don't know. What's, what's, what do you guys think? I think it's quite think, I think the, the back four. I mean, Ethan Led has got such good energy and legs that he's literally playing as a wing back in a, mm. in a flat back four, as a right back, because he can get up and down. And like you just said, Kenneth Powell got, is getting forward a bit better now. I think QPR, if you make the pitch smaller, which by playing a high line and everyone's more together, then I don't think you need to play three in the back. Maybe away from home on a, you know, on a bigger bit. And you, tactically, you want to do uh, something different and negate the opposition. But I think QPR at home, flat back four, I think is the way to go at the moment, especially after last night. But even like the game against, uh, I didn't go to the game against Rotherham, but even the game against Blackpool, I mean, these games are just twist on the first goal. I'll go back to it, but we had chances to be 2-0 up against Blackpool. You go 2-0 up again, you probably win the game. So you take your chances. Last night, we took our and they weren't really even, even proper chances. They were like half chances. We score them, and we sort of very comfortable going, uh, very comfortable. And then, and then you're three nil up, and you can take off uh, Johansson and save him for Saturday's game if he's if if the manager thinks he can't do the three ninety minutes in a week. So that's the, the great thing about being in front. You can like bring him off and and take someone, give him a little half an hour. Uh, just play him 60 minutes and then he's ready to go again for Saturday. Yeah, because he's mentioned... Down is important. Get the stats up next week. I will. I'll make sure to do that. I mean, I'll do my research properly for next week. Sorry, sorry I didn't have the stat available for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like he's mentioned, obviously, going to three at the back is something that he'd quite like to do. He's not obviously said he's definitely going to do it, but he kind of, the Balogun signing as well, obviously that coming last week, he was sort of, Justifying that as one that could maybe help him go to, to three at the back, especially with Jake Clark Salter out. And obviously he's quite suited to the left. So when he comes back as well, you'd think maybe. But I'll say, Kev, do you think like that midfield three is playing a midfield three is kind of work? Obviously it's working at the moment, isn't it? And obviously with like Soundfield moving back, do you think that's probably something that we see more now going forward? Do you think he'll kind of keep him in that position? Because I wasn't at the game last night, but I take it, did he he played him more sort of deep lines again again, did he? Like well, he did on last two games, he played like as the he swapped sort of um, Johansson and uh, and Field around. Uh, I think Fielder does a very good job just sitting in front of the back four, reads it quite well. It's actually passes the ball well, just keeps it simple, keeps the ball moving. He's over six foot. He's got a bit of a presence in there. And Johansson just slightly, a little bit, a bit advanced to his left. He's a, he's a, he's a very composed footballer, passes the ball very well, comfortable in possession. I think there'll be other games when uh, the pitch is a lot bigger and then you might see, uh, hopefully, Luke Amos comes back into 
back from injury and he can come into the team because he's got good energy. I haven't really seen much of the other lad yet, Richards. Uh, I mean, he's been injured since the first game. I don't really know much about him, but everyone seems to say he's got um, good energy and good legs. So, you know, different different games, different teams. We play against different size pitches. But at the moment, last night, QPR's pitch very tight. Not much space in there. It was very condensed. And uh, Dazelle's got good technique and can keep the ball in tight areas. And so is Johansson. So it worked very well last night. I wonder when everyone's fit, if maybe we don't see a lot of Dazelle and Johansson together. They're not they're not dissimilar players. They're obviously good passers of the ball and they're not players that will pick up the ball and drive forward with it, are they? Whereas Richards and Amos are kind of more comfortable doing that. Richards, from what I've seen of him especially, so I wonder if the way forward might be field and then you've got one of Johansson and Dazelle and maybe someone with a bit more legs on the on the right of the three. Maybe that might be the way to go. What do you think, Kev? I think, look, you just need options for different games and against different opposition. If they've, if the management think of Swansea have got, just say, for instance, got very good energy, great legs in their midfield, they'll probably think, well, we'll go and match them up a little bit. If they don't, they'll probably stick with um, Dazelle and uh, Johansson. But I think it's, you've got to have options. Which options. they don't have at the moment, isn't it? That's the... for ta- tactically, but also options for form. Yeah, suspensions and injuries. Hmm. You've got to have options, you've got to have a squad and you're only as good as your bench. And the more uh, better players you have on the bench and you look round and you, you might think, I want to make a change and you've got a good bench, the better off the, the team's going to be. That brings me quite nicely onto the next thing I wanted to chat about. Obviously, we've done quite well to get in 26 minutes in and not really mention transfers. So I think that's probably a record for us, the longest we've gone without mentioning needing to sign a striker or a fullback. <laughs> but uh, Kev, last couple of days of the transfer window, by the time you're listening to this, watching this, might even have changed and there might be another player through the door. But what would your ideal next couple of days look like? Realistically, I'm not saying, you know, sign Neymar. I'm just realistically, what what what's your next couple of days look like? I've always said a striker. I'm not going to go back on that now. A striker, uh, a different type of striker. But look, look. Where are they? It's just difficult and financially. Obviously Cameron Archer's one they're interested in, but like I said, there's so many clubs interested and in, are they going yeah. to let them out on loan? You don't know. It's... Well, you know, Aston Villa ain't doing too great themselves. They might need them. Exactly. Uh, but that sort of type, they need. I'd say they'd look for like a quick, younger striker and they'll be looking at a loan player from probably a premiership um, team and and maybe a left side, uh, left side, left back for cover for Powell. That's it. I would, if they, that would be the ideal transfer window in the next couple of days is a striker and a left side defender. Mm. Do you agree with that, Ian? And um, obviously, he said he's looking for a midfielder as well, isn't he? As we touched on a minute ago, he wants kind of someone with a bit more mobility in there with Amos and Richards out. But are you, um, you kind of in agreement with with what Kev said there? Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if I didn't get a striker. I think it's very hard to get strikers. That are better than what you've already got, um, but this is QPR. I think it will depend on Macaulay Bomb, won't it? See what you know. If he's got interest, and will he go or will he stay? Maybe. If yeah. He might be. Um, I mean, this is QPR. QPR always sign players. And people get up and say, "Oh, they're going to sign." Oh, of course they do. They always do. Rangers always sign players. <laughs> and no club is better than pleading, pleading poverty and signing players in QPR. So it's it's kind of we're skint, Ian. You, you yeah. told me that we're skin. Skin, skin. <laughs> but we'll still sign someone. <laughs> You know, um, 
so yeah, I mean, there's millions of names being linked out there. Everyone keeps talking about Cameron Archer. If they get him, I'd be really. If surprised. that finally happens, like keep your Twitter. I'd be really surprised. I'd be really surprised they get him. But you know, you, you can't say they won't. It's it's. Uh, Bill made quite an interesting point actually on Monday when we spoke to him that you speak to managers of Premier League clubs. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can only assume you're talking about Stephen Gerrard. But you speak to a manager of Premier League club on a Friday. They've had a bad result of the weekend, and it's everything's different on a Monday when you speak to them. So it's that sort of, that's what you're dealing with. And you know, it, we've talked about it before. It's all domino, isn't it? It's like one thing falls this way, and he goes, so he comes in. So we can't let him leave till we get someone to replace him. And so it, that's why people always think like, why does he go to the last minute? Why, you know, why is not because it doesn't work, doesn't work like that? Because you know, there's no exact science to it, is there? Everyone just panics and goes, we can't get rid of him. And so Macaulay Bond won't be allowed to leave. Unless QPR get a striker in, that's basically what will happen. He might want to go; they probably want to get rid of him, but they're going to not going to let him go and not be able to find someone. So that's why it all comes down to the last minute. Um, so I'll imagine at ten thirty-five on Thursday, something might be announced. They've got someone in, and you know, and it would probably be someone that Kev Gallant's come out they've never heard of, and it would be what a great signing. <laughs> Who is he? You know, yeah. so it's you got to trust what that. He, the player, the manager knows what players he wants, and you know, if they get them, great. But you know, Macaulay Bomb probably won't be allowed to leave unless they got someone coming in. So, um, if Macaulay Bomb goes somewhere, then you have to look at it and go, "Well, they probably got someone lined up." But um, we shall see. If it's Cameron Archer, great. But I would, I wouldn't hang my hat on that happening. I agree. At the risk of us looking a bit silly after the deadline day, I. I don't know. It's just, it's not happened yet, has it? And the, the signs haven't been there that that's going to happen so far, obviously, despite the interest. But like I say, it can all, it all can change. So we might be wrong. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I agree. I think, I mean, how long we've we been saying striker and a left back? Seems like we've been saying it for like a year straight. But it's true. You know, Kenneth Powell's like the only one that can play. Obviously, Hamelin, and we've spoken about before. We don't need to go in that again. But he's injured anyway at the moment, isn't he? Mm. So just based on that fact, even they've not really got anyone that can back pile up and it might be handy to have someone that can kind of play. I mean, Kakai's done all right, isn't he? But I don't think you'd want to put him in a left back. Um, so someone having someone that could play both sides, even primarily left back, filling at right back would be good. And yeah, I don't know, midfielder, like, I don't think we'd be saying this if Richards and Amos were fit. And obviously they're not going to be out for the long, long term. So, but I feel like someone, maybe just one extra, but then when you come, when they come back, I think he's going to have a little bit of a problem if he signs another midfielder, because they do have quite a lot of players in that area. There's just a lot of injuries. Um, I mean, it, it all evens itself out, doesn't it? You know, you're only a hamstring strain away from not having someone for a month. Yeah, I suppose you just got to recruit on the basis that there's always going to be players injured, especially at QPR. Well, yeah. <laughs> the way right. the last couple of years have been. Mm. Well, we do so, love a hamstring. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I love the hamstring as well. So <laughs> it's been going on for over 20, 30 years. Yeah, it's not so it's, it's, uh, Hamstrings are so common, aren't they? In, especially with the way the schedule is nowadays. I think, you know, Warburton was one that constantly mentioned that wouldn't he about how tough the schedule was on players and it's kind of we're seeing this even in the Premier League I think because obviously they're getting, getting games closer together because of the World Cup later in the year it's I think it's going to be a lot more injuries and maybe you do need a few more bodies it's just when everyone's fit I think there might be a little bit of debate in that midfield but... it's usually an international break in August isn't there this is a really long start to the season yeah yeah there's one coming up what? isn't there not too long away a couple of weeks 20 there's yeah. one on the 24th 
weekend September. There you go. Someone's yeah. done their research. So, um, but there's, <laughs> I mean, not you. <laughs> we'll look at it a week weekend off. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, plan something, Ian. <laughs> planning. Um, but I think it's um, so it's been a long month, really. It's a really long start to the season. So, so three three wins in August is is pretty good going, I think. Given they better the get a striker in because you know what happens in the international break with Lyndon Dykes. Yeah, international well, breaks. I mean, how many, how many times have we seen it? So they better be prepared I mean, you, for you know you, for that you as well. To, you have to say, really, the form he's in in front of the goal at the moment is he going to get in the Scotland team? I mean, Ross Stewart's True. Well, he's getting a squad, I think, when he but similar sort of player, you kind of think, mm. you know, he needs to find some form in front of goal. For he seems to love it. We haven't got to worry about the World Cup, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we'll move on to our um predictions and swansea kev i imagine mick beal in training this week will probably be doing a bit of off off ball work won't he a bit more focus on what they're doing off the ball rather than on the ball given our swansea play yeah i mean the way swansea plays i mean it's not not my ideal way of, uh, of playing or or to watch um be interested to see what he's going to do is he going to sit back and let them have it and pass it around the back, or is he going to do the high press like they, like they did last night, and uh, really go and and hunt hunt their defenders and and their keeper has a lot of the ball. So, be interesting to uh, see what style he's going to go for. I, in my opinion, I think he will go for the high press, mm. try and nick it up uh, in their last in in the last third early. And so, if that. My prediction for that would be I'm going to go 2-1 QPR. Nice. Um, yeah, I like when when I've watched Swansea games, but the highlights they have on a couple of occasions, maybe more this season, been caught out at the back because it's pretty well publicised the way they play, passing it around at the back quite a lot. And, you know, whatever your, your opinion of it, that is, you know, that's that's the way they play and that's the way they do things. And it seems like last year, obviously it wasn't, Amazing, but that it seems like they're making a bit more mistakes this year. I don't know, I might be wrong. Swansea fans can probably all obviously have a better knowledge of that than me. But I have noticed that they have given the ball away a couple of times this season, which has led to goals. And I feel like maybe QPR's got to be patient, just you know, kind of wait for them to force their way, you know, wait for them to make their own errors. And maybe that's the way you beat them. Um, kind of just let them have the ball in non dangerous areas. That seems to be the formula for beating Swansea. I remember um, a couple of games last year. That you know was the well, a few games last year. That was the way they kind of lost. Is just being patient, the other team being patient, and then letting them have the ball, and then just making what you can have count. Um, I mean, Ian, what what do you see from this one, and what's your prediction? I think it's um, they're in a bit of they're in a bit of trouble at the moment, aren't they? I mean, the yeah, they've that, not started well at all. They're in the bottom three, I think, at the moment. By the time this podcast is out, we'll, they're playing Stoke on Wednesday night. Um, yeah. You know, a new manager a game, away from it? home. It's yeah, a big game a big for game. him. And you kind of think, I mean, I know that from just stuff that I've read that the, you know, the natives are a little bit restless in Swansea about, um, you know, they, they're, they're a fan base that are used to a kind of certain style of football, but this is sort of in many ways taking it to the nth degree of, you know, um, like a long ball is almost a sin. It's always this kind of, it's so puritanical where, you know, it's all very well and good having like 700 passes, but you're getting beat 4-0 and it's sort of, it, it, it's it's pointless really. But they have got some good players. They've got two good strikers in um, Obafemi and Piro. 
Um, I mean, I think down there, if Rangers can get the first goal, an early goal, um, the manager's under pressure, you know, that could be telling. Get the, get the crowd turning against them, that, that could work. Um, I mean, really, you'd go on form, you'd say Rangers should win. But um, you, you're always wary about a side that are on a little bit of a bad run playing them at home. What could happen? So, I, would, I, I mean, I would say... I was, to be honest, I was more confident keeping out of beats would beat Watford than I am them beating Swansea. <laughs> um, I will go for QBR to win. Um, I'm going to go for a one nil, same result as last year. And maybe maybe run. a late goal, maybe a late goal to nick it. Well, I'm going to round off the hat trick. So apologies, QPR fans, <laughs> in advance. But I think they'll win. I actually was going to say one nil, and so I'm going to go with the same as what you said. I think just the way they play, obviously like to keep the ball and doesn't lend itself to high scoring games always does it unless like you say QPR get an early goal and they have to I mean that's the problem with the way Swansea play isn't it is if the other team gets an early goal what do they do then do they stick to their guns and keep with the approach or do they yeah. I mean normally teams go try and hit back instant response don't they but that that is not the way they do things so it's, it's a very it's a strange system they've got going on down there but, but it's really interesting as well because what Kev was saying earlier about Rangers playing a high line, balls over the top. They just don't play balls over the top. They just it's mm. not what they do. It's all through the middle and down the channels and pass and move. And so it could play into Rangers' hands. Could play into Rangers' hands, which is why they could win. But and it also helps. Are they playing tonight? So that's Wednesday. We've an extra mm. day rest or preparation. I always think that that can help sometimes. It's all been a bit too positive, isn't it? I think. Yeah, <laughs> I was very like last night. I really fancied QPR, and when I really fancied QPR, <laughs> I always get pear shaped. But I was, yeah. um, I was proved right uh, last yeah. night. Thank God. Well, let's see. Hopefully, we're right. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. If you if you're watching us uh, on YouTube, do make sure to subscribe to the channel and leave us a like and comment on what we've said below. And if you are listening to us, uh, do give leave us a positive review and subscribe to our feed so you get the regular updates when a uh, when a new episode is out and yeah thanks for watching and listening